0: This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's
1: unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott.
0: As high performers contemplate making a career change, one of their concerns is with their salary. They believe that if they were to switch careers to something that they actually enjoy, that they have to take a pay cut. In reality, what we've seen with the people we work with here at Happen to Your Career is that that is almost never the case. In fact, there's many times when they actually get an increase in their salary. So today, what we're doing is we're sharing a training that we did about this very subject and that is how to transfer your skills so that you can keep your same salary. So some of the specific things that you'll learn from Scott in this episode are how to transfer your skills into a different industry, how to connect the dots for inexperienced recruiters and hiring managers, how to approach a career change in a new field, how to determine what your next job should even be, and then also how to handle gaps in your employment history. So with that, let's jump over to Scott and we'll get right into this first question.
1: This one comes from Roya. By the way, Roya, if you're here, <clears throat> go ahead and let us know and feel free to share any anything else about your situation too uh, as we go along here. So how do I make a career change with my skill set without taking a salary cut? This is, this is the question in some ways. I bet there's a few people uh, here that are interested in this particular type of question. Give me a heck yeah in the chat if this is one you're interested in too. Okay, Roya, before I try and answer some of the most important pieces about this that we encounter again and again, I want to help you understand a few things that When we're working with people, what we find behind the scenes, they have to understand in order to do this. Okay, so there's a a few different pieces. And part of this is about how you're looking at it strategically. So here's, this is gonna sound silly, but go with me for just a second here. There are lots and lots Of companies, organizations, jobs, opportunities in the world, and you only need one of them, maybe a couple of them. So, what that means is that if you're focused on, which a lot of the people that find us through the magic of the internet or find our podcast or anything else are. Looking at averages, and when I say averages, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, well, this particular type of career on average, it you know, only makes you know seventy five thousand dollars or you know, ninety five thousand dollars. And really, I'm accustomed to earning you know one hundred twenty five thousand or one hundred seventy five thousand or whatever it might be. And yeah, so I shouldn't look at that because of those averages. Here's what I found instead. Um thing number one is that averages are well, they're average. They're made up from a huge range and a huge scope. So what I see happening is that before ever really trying in a particular area or occupation or industry or whatever else it might be, it gets ruled out before ever even giving consideration. So Don't look at averages is thing number one. And I I know that sounds silly, but we see that hold people back in a lot of different ways because we do a normal human being thing, which is if we don't think something is possible there, then we're not going to try for it. Okay, so that's that's thing one. Thing number two, before I begin to really answer this question more directly, is that when we help people through this type of career change, we find that it is um, it is very important that you understand specifically what you want and need so you know where to begin looking. A lot of people come in saying, hey, I want you to take my transferable skills and I want you to show me careers that match up with that. And often they mean occupations or roles uh, when they say the word careers. That said, that's not how it works in reality. There's a variety of different reasons. First of all, if we did that in, in the first place, then you're going to, let's fast forward and we'll play it out what's going to happen. You're going to get to that role and you're going to have the honeymoon period wear off and you're going to realize that something is missing. And you've just made another job change in one way or another, and it's not totally, completely good for you. Instead, there is a, there is some harder, deeper work that must be done in order to make this type of change in a way that's going to be good for you. And again, I'm going with the assumption here that if you're spending time on this type of session, asking this type of question, you're not just wanting another job that pays well. You know, pays what you're used to being paid. Instead, I think you're probably interested in something that is a better fit for you that is leveraging your strength, that is more meaningful, that causes you to get excited about it and all the other pieces that many people that are here want out of work. So if that's the case, then that means we have to know exactly what those are. As silly as it sounds, we have to define what that is and what the destination is <laughs> Um, before we can think about making this type of change, so here's here's what I mean by destination. First of all, if you were if you were taking a road trip, if you didn't know where you were going, it would probably be really really difficult to get there, right? Like if you didn't know that you were going to you know Lincoln, uh, you know Lincoln, Montana. I'm just making up a random town, Lincoln, Montana then you're probably not going to get there very easily, right? But if you do, if you know that you're going to Lincoln, Montana, and you're coming from, you know, Tallahassee, Florida, then you're going to be able to pop into the GPS and see all of the different routes to get there. But without that destination, you're just going to end up driving in circles, and you're probably going to end up someplace in Nebraska. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about Nebraska, but it might not be where you want to be. So instead, we need to focus your time and effort on defining what that destination looks like. And the way to do that is be able to focus on what creates an ideal career change for you. And I know that sounds maybe oversimplified. A lot of the ways that we do that behind the scenes with people is we help them create what we call an ideal career profile. And that's a tool that we created. However, really, just think about it as almost like the checklist That clearly defines what it is that you want to need Because without that, how are you going to know where to begin looking? How are you going to know beyond just, you know, a job that pays well or organizations that can pay your amount? How are you going to know what is right for you? And um, so that's the thing number one. You've got to be able to know enough about what you want very specifically, way more specifically than what you think, in order to create your own destination. Okay, here's why that's important. Because here's what we found, and this is going to go into the next couple of questions here too as well. We have found that when you want um, a role that is high-paying, that you know, fits fits the pieces that you're looking for is much more meaningful. You know, role that uh, causes you to be enamored with work in many different ways, rather than just going into a job. Then that doesn't happen very frequently at all by normal conventional methods, like. Sitting on indeed.com and you know looking at the postings and then applying for indeed or you know uh, clicking the apply button on LinkedIn, you know the easy apply button, you know the one uh, it doesn't often happen that way. The way that almost everybody, over eighty percent of the people that we work with behind the scenes, the high performers that want much more meaningful work and want to do so without a salary cut, it happens in much more unconventional ways often behind the scenes, going through the back door, relationships, introductions. There's lots of different ways that that can happen and lots of different tactics that that can happen, but it doesn't happen in normal conventional ways. It is, first of all, work that fits and work that you enjoy at a high premium, which is, you know, keeping that salary high, happens uh, or excuse me, it is an exception to the rule. That's not what normal people have. So that means you have to do so in an exceptional way. Okay, um, let's talk more about we'll, I'll give you some examples of what an exceptional way means here as we go along here, because I want to make sure that we're answering that even more specifically, but we have to build that foundation first. Otherwise, the rest of it doesn't make sense. But this is how this stuff actually happens behind the scenes. Let's go into question two first. Question number two, this comes from Julie. Julie, did I see you on here? I thought I saw, uh, I thought I saw Julie on here. Do I have other skills besides the current role I'm in and will anyone take me seriously if I try a different path? So short answer is yes. The short answer is yes. However, the longer answer is probably gonna be more specific and Julie, I think that you had sent in some additional background. So I'm just going to share a few pieces of that, if you don't mind. Um, Just a couple things that I think are important here that we can use as an example and might help you as well quite a bit. Okay. Julie works in HR. So Julie's seen seen some of this from a a few different sides uh, and goes on to say that uh, in a... In a previous, it calls it a previous life, it worked as a full-time musician, uh, had day jobs, finance, operations, and then ultimately shifted into HR full-time. And then found that really enjoyed HR, but specifically some of the more strategic planning, organizational development, coaching, developing managers, and doesn't enjoy some of the pieces that are more administrative and operational that is doing right now. So that totally makes sense. I can appreciate that, Julie. I I also have an HR background. You may or may not have known that, but I spent a lot of years working in HR in all different aspects. So those are some of the pieces I just happen to enjoy as well. So I can appreciate that on many different levels. But having such a broad background in many different things, I'm trying to figure out how to elevate my career moving out of the day-to-day HR operations and either into a consultant role uh, or senior manager, director, someplace else. And because you've been doing some of the same roles for so long, how do you pivot into something else that you're more passionate about? And it sounds like there's a little bit of fear that if you quit the job and pursue these other avenues, that people may not take you you seriously. Um, I think this is such a great question. It's also something that is very, very real as well. And the reason why I wanted to not completely answer Roya's question and move on to this one is there are some overlapping answers as well. So here's, here's what I find, first of all, Julie. Um, anytime anyone moves into a higher level role for the first time, there's always some kind of learning curve. Always. But if you stop and think about it, like, Nobody was born with director level and senior director level uh, and above HR experience. Like Nobody came out of the womb that way. So that must mean that every single person in the world who moved into that type of role, whether it's an HR or you know, some, other, uh, some other higher level role, did so prior to having all of the experience that they needed. So that, I know that when, when you start to think about that, that feels a little bit like a catch-22, but that means every single person who ever did that in, in many different ways didn't have 100% of the experience that they needed, and somebody took a chance on them. Okay, I think that's really, really important because that's, it's going to be the same way for you. And if you start to break down, and I'm going to oversimplify here, I love the psychology and I love the research that goes into this. And you know, we use this constantly behind the scenes with our, uh, our uh, people in our career boot camp program, our custom coaching clients, signature coaching program, and everything else. But um, think about it like this. If you, uh, if you need somebody to take a chance on you, That often happens through one method more so than anything else. It happens through relationships. It often doesn't happen through the perfect, like the perfect resume. It often happens through interactions and relationships. Those are two of the biggest ways we see it again and again and again. Okay, so if we know that, we can start to think about, okay, well, how do we create the type of situation in which you can you know, make that type of move. So, uh, since since this has to do with uh, HR, I will tell you, I'll tell you how I did it, actually personally, and then I will also share another uh, another example too with you know one of our one of our clients behind the scenes. So, here's how it worked for me. I actually here's what I did when I was making a transition. I was essentially working as an HR generalist type role. So I think I was called an HR manager. I can't remember exactly what my title was at the time, but I was basically like an HR generalist. I was very much in the admin and operations at the time. I think I only had one one team member helping me out and that was like an administrative person. And, you know, I did the bulk of it essentially. So, First thing that I did when I realized I wanted to transition is I started reaching out to a variety of people that were in the area, organizations that I wanted to work with. And I was most interested in reaching out specifically to people who could help me or hire me. And so I would reach out to, there was a hospital I went into, I was really interested in working with. So I reached out to uh, the head of HR, the chief human resources officer for the hospital. And, uh, you know, I, I can't remember if I picked up the phone or whether I emailed him, doesn't matter so much. However, in this particular case, uh, you know, I said something along the lines of, hey, I'm, I'm trying to make a career change and I'm trying to figure out, you know, well, do I want to continue to move into HR? And if so, what area I wanted to be in? And mm-hmm. I'm really interested in what you do in your organization, your background. Would you be willing to spend you know, 10 or 15 minutes with me and answer a few questions about, what you do and how you got to where you where you are. And he mailed me back in like 15 minutes and said, yes, I'd love to. That would be fantastic. Um, you know I'm out for the next couple of weeks, but you know, let's set up some time. And so, you know, we we set up some time and everything. But I did that with about 40 ish different people during that time frame. And I, I got not one, but I actually got multiple job offers over a period of six months. In fact, I got one, two, three. I think I got four, three or four job offers over the course of six months and then made a jump in HR during that time. Okay. So what happened in between there? Did it just like magically turn into offers? No, absolutely not. What happened is I was able to go through and learn more about where I wanted to go. I was able to build relationships with some of the people who could help me or hire me. I didn't go into asking any of them for a job. Until I figured out that I actually wanted to work with them or their organization, then the conversation would change. Then I would ask something along the lines of, hey, I I so appreciate all the time that you've taken and I would be really interested in working here. What advice would you have for me to make that happen at some point in the future? Because and for this reason, this reason, and this reason, I could absolutely see this being an amazing fit for me. And I think that I would really enjoy working with you. And then, you know, that would turn into a partnership to figure out whether or not that that was possible. OK, so that's that's how it happened for me. That series of interactions over about a period of six months led to multiple job offers and actually essentially a role getting um, not created for me, but essentially modified to fit what I was, what I was wanting. And uh, actually, that's not true. Two of those job offers uh, got completely modified to fit what I was wanting. Okay, that, that type of thing is something that can work really, really well. And I'm going to share another, um, another situation for somebody that we worked with pretty recently here, but I want to do so in question three. First of all, Julie, let me know if that helps understand how that could be possible and how that can happen. It's probably not going to be, again, from you having the perfect resume and sending it off and everybody's just like, oh, my goodness, she is amazing from the resume. It's probably going to be them getting to know you and understand you and building familiarity with you, which feels like it takes out of the risk Mm -hmm. for them. And then that's part of what is going to allow them to take you seriously, as you said, because they already know you at that point. They already have that familiarity. Okay. Um, Natasha had asked, how can I identify my transferable skills? Natasha, I think I saw you on here too. I wanna say that, that I saw you someplace here. Feel free to let me know if you're on here as well. How can I identify my transferable skills? So this is a really interesting one and it's the one that gets asked pretty frequently. And I think it's a great question, Natasha. Uh, it's a very relevant question. When we're talking about transferable skills, I think almost everyone underestimates how transferable their skills are that they currently have. And, and it, ironically, this works out both ways. Um, we simultaneously underestimate how much is transferable and then it, for a lot of us, not everybody, but a lot of us will also um, look at roles that we really are interested in. And there's a portion of us that will simultaneously think, oh, I could do that in one way or another and underestimate the learning curve for some of the particular pieces that'll go along with it. too. So it's a, it's a weird phenomenon and that comes from being human as it turns out. That said, here's a couple ways that you can think about this. Okay, for transferable skills, um, here's, let let me give you a functional thing that we do as it relates to just really understanding your transferable skills. This is going to sound like a really silly exercise. However, we've had a lot of people do something similar uh, just to almost convince themselves in some ways about what skills are transferable and which ones are not. Okay. One of those ways is to literally like print off, uh, print off um, job descriptions from some of the roles that you're interested in. And for each one of the, each one of the results that's on there or, you know, ex- sense of experience that's on there or something of whatever else is listed, essentially like turn that into a checklist. But don't stop there. Um, And I'll tell you that the risk for doing this particular exercise is it can also be, it can also feel a little bit self-defeating because you start to look at some of these roles and they're like, we need 742 years of experience in this area. And you're like, nobody has 742 years. So just, just if you're doing this, then recognize that the purpose here is not, Not to worry about how much experience or anything else like that. Like, Try to suspend that and push that off to the side for a second. And instead, focus on each area that they list. What are the skills that are required? Just try to make your best guess about what are the skills that are required to functionally do that role. And if you don't know, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think one of the things that you can do is you know, reach out to some people that are already doing these types of roles in one way or another and you know, ask them about what types of skills make them most effective in their role. What type, Another way to phrase that question might be, you know, what types of skills make you most successful in your role personally? Now you'll one of the things that you'll start to notice is there'll be some patterns. The other thing I want you to look for at the same time is which ones of those you have some of already. Again, nobody has like perfectly transferable skills for anything. That's, that's a falsity. It's, it doesn't exist, period. However, everybody is at various different levels of having their skills be transferable to new, new situations. So, In this fairly simple exercise, um, your goal is to to begin to look for what do you already have pieces of already, or what do you already have that could translate over into those those situations, those areas. And Natasha, I also think that um, I want to say that you shared a little bit other information here about where you're coming from and what what type of background you have, too. So let me share a little bit of that, if you don't mind, Um, just a couple pieces of that here, and then I can give you some other ways to think about this, too. And if I understood right, you're a human rights lawyer um, that worked in a few different countries, and um, it sounds like you're going to be be in you know, Singapore, possibly you know, Paris, BC, those types of areas, essentially, and you are interested in moving to the private sector. Okay, when people are in that situation, generally, it's difficult to see what is transferable. We find in a lot of ways, when we're working with people behind the scenes, initially, we are just trying to show them evidence of how transferable different pieces are. If you know if you're coming from that background in the, in the first place, you are going to have a huge amount of skill sets that work in other areas, particularly the private sector. It can be different environments, but that doesn't mean that the skills go away so you know along that same example that I was giving you with how to how to begin identifying some of these transferable skills. The reason we like to do that behind the scenes is because it does two things. It begins to connect you to other people that you have interest in, which we've already established is one, one, not the only one, but one great way to make a, make a change that is an exception to the rule that, you know, pays well and, you enjoy and creates a great destination for you and everything else that comes along with it. Right. Okay. But then the other reason is, Hey, we find that as silly as this might sound, the evolution for understanding your transferable skills, isn't like a flipping on a switch or not. It becomes a process. Sometimes we'll work with people for months to really help them understand what is transferable and build some level of confidence behind that transferability too. So that when you get into interactions or get into an interview process or get into uh, some other situation that as you're describing it, you can articulate it with some measure of confidence at the same time, which is important. It's not necessarily always going to make or break it, but it is really important, small piece of the process. So Natasha, feel free to share any other follow up questions on there that might make it more helpful to you, and I'll do my best to answer them. However, you know, those are a couple ways I would encourage you to both think about it as well as some immediate, fairly easy, sometimes a little bit intimidating actions that you can take. If you, if you need more help, feel free to you know reach out to Philip. To Philip's uh, a great resource, you know, schedule a conversation with him, he could help you understand. How we, can, how we can specifically help you dig into that much more and make that type of transition. These are, these are really great scenarios and really great questions. I want to go on to another one though to make sure that we have time to answer all these pieces here. This one comes from Aaron. Uh, Aaron, again, let us know if you're on here. I don't know if I saw Aaron or not, but how can I find a career I want, I love, and see myself being able, to, being able and willing to do for the long haul? Aaron, this might be my favorite question, partially because I think it's the question that I had uh, a, a, you know way back when. Um, I don't know if everybody necessarily here has you know, heard my personal story and how on earth you know, we ended up founding this company and everything else along those lines. But uh, the very abbreviated version of it was I was in a situation where it was a terrible thing. And because I was in that for, you know, well over a year and like gained 50 pounds and started having panic attacks and everything else along those lines, uh, you know, this became my question. How can I find a career? Like, this is such a terrible fit for me. And maybe you're not in that situation, but it was really pretty horrific for me personally, and I never wanted to do that again. So this is kind of the question that I started out with. Like, how can I find a career that I want and I love and I can see myself doing for a really long time because in the situation I was in, I could not imagine being there for you know, another 40 years, let alone another year. So um, here's what I've learned since then. You know, I started out trying to learn a lot of this stuff for myself personally, just to impact my own personal world. And then later on, much later started working with many people and then it you know, grew into a company and now we're about eight years old. So what I have learned through that and what I've found is that the situation is going to change again. We have, now that we've been doing this for a really long period of time, we've been able to see people that we worked with four, five, six, seven years ago that have not just made one change, but many different changes. So if we go to, you know, what do human beings need in general? There's a variety of different things. And we've really, we've changed it to six particular groups of things that we need as human beings to make us, you know, happy and fulfilled for any length of time. However, one of those is variety. Just one of those pieces in those groups is variety. And part of the reason for that is Although we need some measure of stability, and the difference for many different people is that stability can look slightly different from me to you to the next person to Philip and beyond. We all need stability in some way, shape, or form. However, we also need change in variety and to be continuously, um, I'm gonna use the word learning, although that's not entirely accurate. We need to be able to have numerous types of variety as well to continuously be fulfilled. So those seem in conflict with one another sometimes. And what we've learned from that is, it is if you want, if your goal is to be continuously fulfilled in many different ways, first of all, we have to go back to what we established in question number one, which is that we have to really understand and be able to articulate what we need that makes an amazing career for us. And then also recognize that as we go through different stages of life, it's going to change slightly and it's going to evolve along the way. And that's normal. That's okay. That's a part of it. And I want you to be able to anticipate that. And that's also why it's so important to be able to learn uh, learn about what specifically you need and how to make these types of changes in your life, not just your career, but ultimately it impacts your entire life. And after doing that you know, once in this particular way, we see that that has long-lasting impacts as what you need and what you want changes over time. If it changes you know, five years or 10 years or 20 years into the future, then it, it's not an intimidating process anymore. And then you know, at that point, people are just looking at it as a continual tweaking and refinement getting closer and closer and closer and continually refining what it is that we want and need from our career and the rest of the areas of our life that our career touches as well, because they absolutely are joined and impact one another pretty greatly. Okay, so Aaron, I needed you to understand that part first, because rarely do we find anybody who is just in one situation for their entire life that absolutely is loving it for every minute, willing to do for the long haul. The second part of your question is willing to do for the long haul. That's more accurate when people stay in, in the long haul. It's a case of I'm willing to do this, but that doesn't necessarily make it an ideal situation for them. So thing number one, is I think you have to decide, you know, what is it that you're actually looking for? And I would not underset your goals. And what I mean by that is um, I don't want you shooting towards a target that is accidentally settling for yourself. I think that there are many, many, many things, Aaron, that like without even knowing anything about your situation, I'm sure that there are many things that you are able to do. Like, and it's easy for me to say that, sitting on the other side of having helped thousands of people make these types of changes and being able to see how it works in reality. Uh, I know it's easy to say that for me and feels more difficult when you're actually in that situation because I've been there too. But it is, it's important to know that there's going to be many situations that you're able and willing to do. And I would encourage you to shoot higher, much, much higher than that because I don't want you accidentally settling for the long haul. So instead, I would encourage you to focus on doing a small amount of difficult work, work that most people in the world will not take the time or effort to do in defining what it is that you want and what you need and some of the pieces that are true for you, so that you can then have that much better target, and go and seek out in the world, which is a totally different, much more strategic, much more intentional type approach. And as far as I can tell, it's the only way that much, much more meaningful and fulfilling work that also pays well happens. And the side benefit, or when you do that once, it's so much easier to do it the next time and the time after that, as you continue to change and evolve as a person and as a human being. So hopefully that gives you a different way to think about that. Um, And that might raise a bunch of other questions too at the same time. I wanna go on to question number five here and then I wanna try and answer any other questions that pop up. Feel free to drop some in the Q&A or the chat here. We'll do as many as we can within the time here. How do I handle gaps in my job history? This comes from Cynthia and it depends on the type of gap. In many different ways. I think at this point in time, most employers, most recruiters, most hiring managers are pretty open to looking at gaps. What creates confusion is if those gaps are not explained. And if it creates confusion, that's what can create the feeling of risk for them. Or it can create the feeling of, you know, trying to hide something or whatever else. So, you know, we just had a question that I answered and, you know, sent an email to somebody back about, um, she was a mom who took some time off to you know, raise her children. And, you know, was really worried about that creating a gap on her resume and in her experience and on her LinkedIn profile. And the cool thing about that is, first of all, like... <laughs> Let's be honest, you should be able to take time off and raise children or take time off and do anything else that you want that's really important to you. Uh, And the other cool thing is I think most people and most organizations that you're going to actually want to work for understand that. So I think the easiest way to think about that is you can explain that. Like You can just put a set of dates on your resume and say, you know, time off for raising children, or you know, time off for. Um, we had somebody else that you know, took a, took a gap year a, a while back, and it's ex- explained in uh, you know what they what they did on that. It's okay to put that on a resume, and you know, as a recruiter, or when you're in talent acquisition, or as a hiring manager, or it even you know people who hire um, hire talent acquisition people. I, I've been in all those different roles. And it is it's a lot easier for people to look at that really quickly and say, okay, all right, that makes sense and move on. And they just move on. Because honestly, they're not spending that much time with your resume in the first place. They're not spending that much time with your you know, LinkedIn profile in the first place. It's pretty much a glance, even if they're, you know, even if you're getting an above average amount of attention. Which is also a good reason why often much more effective approaches are not necessarily through you know, LinkedIn or not necessarily through uh, you know, any other, thing. insert your job search, a job board of choice here, whatever it is that you use. So those are a couple pieces of advice that we give you, Cynthia, but the most important part is just to acknowledge it and explain it. In a very simple way, and I find that most people are willing to give that credit. And I always come back to the question of, you know, if something is true for me, then do I want to work with an organization that can't tolerate that when it's a part of you know my background or history or whatever along those lines? And often the answer is no. And there are plenty of organizations in the world. There's a lot of them that are growing massively right now, this very second. Uh, and uh, you know, through things like you know COVID nineteen, and through things like coronavirus and pandemic, and just because one isn't interested in you for a uh, you know, silly reason of having a gap in job history for whatever reason that is, and if it was you know during a layoff, I think you can um, you can articulate that as well in certain cases too. But the better thing is you don't have to explain a lot of that. If you're going in through the back door, you don't have to explain a lot of that. If you're going with some of the more unconventional ways to make a career change, and then it's not even worry at all. All right. I'm guessing that if we're here talking and you're listening right now, you probably already know that you're looking for something better in your life, in your career. And it's not that you have a bad job or anything along those lines. It's that you've realized that you want more for one reason or another. You've probably been focused on things like stability. You've probably even moved up in your organization one way or another, and you have realized that you want something more and that's okay. And it's entirely possible. You've heard, you've heard it on all of these episodes, by the way, if this is your first episode, by all means, go back and listen to five, seven, 10 other different episodes. You'll hear, hear people who have made the type of transition where they have leveraged their strengths. Their skills, their experiences to be able to move to work that is much more meaningful, much more fulfilling, and most importantly, still pays what they are used to or even more. Okay. So, the reason why, if it hasn't been apparent, that we showcase and we take the time for, geez, almost eight years now to share stories like this with you is we've realized that one of the first stages to making it possible for yourself is realize that there are other people doing this out there in the world. And that's something that's really important. And we've realized that that type of exposure makes it more realistic for you. So that's, that's literally why we, why we do this. It is, it helps pave the way for everything else to come. And it doesn't mean that everything that comes after this is easy. Uh, You know, that's, that's really, you know, the first step and then step two is when you want to have you know, your transferable skills, your transferable experiences, and make a career change into something that is worth doing for you, worth spending your time on, not causing you ridiculous amounts of stress, but also still allowing you to add value and contribution to the world and challenge you in the right ways that are good for you and good for the organization or people that you're working with. Okay. It might sound counterintuitive but it actually starts with one single decision and a commitment that you're going to go forward and find work that you love doing. You know, in addition to the exposure I talked about, that's really the next step that you make that that commitment. It's what gets you ready for everything else to come. At some point, you have to decide. And I would encourage you to decide now. It's a decision that changed my life personally, and it's a decision we've seen be the catalyst for so many other people at this point, thousands of people that we've worked with over 2000 people that we've worked with now. And I want that for you too. And if you don't want to go through this change alone, we have some of the most knowledgeable coaches in the world that have a ton of expertise and they can help lessen the risk for you. We're currently accepting applications for our happen to your career signature coaching program. This is a Custom coaching program that is different from our Career Change Bootcamp because it's premium. It's very intentionally, every bit of it is tailored to you and your situation. So, if you're a high performer who wants to make a career change that fits your values, fits with your financial need, and is ready to go to work that you're enamored with, then you can absolutely apply here. Here's what I want you to do I want you to pause this, send me an email right now, put signature coaching in the subject line. And I'll connect you with Philip on my team and we'll make sure that you're getting custom tailored support and understanding everything you need and we'll help from there. That's it. It's no obligation. It's what we do. It's what we love to do. And it is that very first step. We'll help you through it and all the steps that come if you want it. All right. Send me an email right now. Scott at happened to your com. signature coaching in the subject line. We'll see you later. I am out. Adios.